Just when you thought the talk season two was done, we pull you back in for one extra bonus episode. We didn't have this one planned on the original schedule, but we were so happy to get Mr. Jackson Mayer on. It is an awesome interview. Uh, Just a little heads up. There is reference to Francis Perron's passing just with that occurring in that in the first game against Ottawa. Though, like I said, we don't really go into it in detail, but it's quite obvious what we're referring to when it comes up. Uh, So just a heads up on that. Um, you know, th- this is the end of the talk season two. Uh, we're a few days away from the campaign itself ending the fundraising goals we've been doing for Stella's Place for their virtual counseling sessions. And I-, I can't thank you all enough who've supported us, whether financially or by sharing our posts. It really means the world to us. You know, this whole thing started as a way to make conversations around mental health not a once a year event, but something that can happen throughout the whole 365 year thing. So while we are coming to a close, we're always open to have these talks whenever you want to come on if you have a story. So enjoy this one, and we'll see you on the next one. Hey everybody, my name is Jackson Mayer from the University of Toronto Varsity Blues, number 98, and you're listening to At The 55. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. We're back with another installment of the talk and joining us today, you know, I often say my favorite types of guests are when we get offensive linemen on the show and we don't quite have an offensive lineman, but it's the second best thing. We have a defensive line from UFT. Welcome to the talk. Jackson Mayer. How are you doing, Jackson? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? I'm excellent. Um, you know, Jackson, this whole this whole show, the whole idea, this intersection of of mental health in the game we love of football and and you have a a very a very uh, unique story sort of in your own journey dealing with mental health as an athlete that we'll get into but also uh what I love about your story that we'll get into as well is you're just uh, an advocate for mental health uh, on behalf of your your team and and we'll get all t- into that but w- why don't we start with sort of your background a bit about who you are and what sort of you know in one of our earlier interviews one of our guests made this really great point that no one necessarily grows up thinking they'll get into being a mental health advocate normally something does happen mm-hmm. in our lives that realizes that oh you know what this this really is important so so let's mm-hmm. get into that piece for you wherever you want to start with it yeah, absolutely. So just going in right away, um, mental health has been a huge part of my life, a huge part of my family for about as long as I can remember. I mean, even back to, you know, my parents, grandparents, they struggled with things like bipolar disorder, a little bit of schizophrenia, apparently, as far as we know. And of course, you know, that kind of gets thrown onto you as a kid without really knowing it. And uh, as I grew up, some stuff started happening in my family. And as that happened, you know, my parents got divorced. I was going through a whole bunch of childhood things that I wasn't really aware of. And the trauma definitely started to take a toll. And I only really first noticed that in my first year of university. And at that point, I was really down in the dumps, really not really sure what was going on. It was affecting my grades, affecting my football. And uh, I came to my coaches because I really had nowhere else to go. And at that point in first year in 2018, they didn't have much in the way for me. And I mean, that's not a that's not a slight to them. They sent me to health and wellness and I, I did what I could do at the time. But because of this, I mean, the severity of the situation, I mean, it was a really relatively serious situation for me and they just didn't have anything uh, ASAP ready for me. And they were, they felt pretty bad about that. And our head athletic trainer, um, Aaron Brooks, she took it upon herself to get some things together, some documents, some phone numbers, some helplines and things like that, threw them into a big document. And uh, four years later, I was kind of going through similar things just this past, uh, past first semester. 
I was once again, I was down in the dumps going through these crazy intrusive thoughts. I couldn't control them. I was super down again, affecting my grades, affecting my football, my relationships. I mean, you name it. It was kind of just throwing me for a loop. So once again, I went to my coaches and this time out of the blue, one phone call and boom, I've got all these resources. And I was, I was, I mean, of course I was super appreciative of it. So I went and I talked to Aaron about it, our head trainer. I said, I mean, Hey, like, thank you. I appreciate this. And at that time it was, uh, it was just after our first Ottawa game. And for those of you that don't know, there was a, an incident at the Ottawa game. So everybody was kind of going through it, especially Aaron at that time. So I was just checking up on her. And uh, of course she was checking up on me and we had a little discussion. And she mentioned to me that uh, those documents and those things wouldn't have been uh, a part of her foundation if it weren't for that situation that I went through in first year. Um, because I mean, they had nothing prior to that. And it was just kind of a culture shock for the entire crew there at U of T, at least uh, for the football team. And that was a big wake up call for me. I realized that, I mean, not a lot of these guys are coming out and they're looking for help. And because they aren't doing that, I mean, there's no resources for them. And I knew that these resources were available now, but they, you still had to, you know, kind of go behind doors. You had to ask the coaches, you had to go to people that you might be nervous talking to. So at that point I was just talking to Aaron and I realized like, Hey, as somebody who's, you know, turning into a vet on this team, someone who's trying to be a leader on this team, I could probably help these guys. So I, I queued up this huge letter. I sent like, it was a, basically an essay. I sent to our big group chat with everybody inside it. Just said, Hey boys, like if you need anything, you know, you can come to me. I've got these resources now. Aaron and I printed out uh, probably like 15 or 16 little booklets with all these things. And I put them in the locker room readily available. And uh, I've got them on my laptop, on my phone, all this stuff. And uh, I just have that kind of note. And I said to the boys, if you're going to reach out to somebody and you're a little bit nervous about it, my line is always open 24-7. You know, if you're trying to come anonymously, that's fine. Nothing needs to be said. You just say, hey, do you have those documents? I send them to you. That's the end of the story. I won't ask any questions. But if you need to get better, I'm here to help you get better. And I mean, I use those resources myself and it helped me get towards a diagnosis um, and that was late November. I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. And since then, I mean, my life changed. Of course, it was a big, a big shock for me, but it was, uh, it was something that really changed my life because I got the proper treatment that I needed. I got the proper help that I needed. And what is it? Three or four months later, I'm, I'm definitely in the best mood that I've been in, in the last six or seven years. And it's, it's been a long road, but I'm very happy with the place that I'm in. And I'm always here for those guys that need that advocation. Well, first and foremost, I'm so happy to hear you're in a good space right now, Jackson. Mm. I love your story because uh, it speaks to, <clears throat> pardon me, not only that piece of self-advocacy, which uh, mm -hmm. so often uh, is a skill that uh, we don't necessarily, if we don't have people in our lives to model that for us, uh, we, we don't always learn those skills, but then as well advocating for your teammates. And it, it's, it's mm -hmm. awesome. And, and I want to dive into all these things kind of in, in, in sort of different bits and pieces here. So, so kind of going Absolutely. back, going back a bit into, you know, into your first year a little bit and, and noticing you're mentioning mm -hmm. the some of those intrusive thoughts and how that was then manifesting yeah. into sort of other areas of your lives, relationships, academics, mm -hmm. uh, on the field, I'm sure as well. Uh, yes. what other signs, you know, cause often, and partly it might have to do with the culture of football, the, mm -hmm. the constant reinforcement of, of you know, being uh, that mental toughness, um, mm -hmm. of just pushing through and often I think we're sometimes trained to ignore some, some signs of being like, Oh, well, you know, I'm, yeah, I feel sad or whatever. I feel we were never really taught to investigate those feelings. And so you mentioned the intrusive thoughts. I'm just wondering, were there any other signs if you're willing to share that maybe 
how'd you realize that that this wasn't something that you could just kind of slough off as like mm-hmm. uh that's just whatever i'll go smash my head into someone else during practice for two hours and it'll be good or i'll go crush some weights and i'll be good yeah so i mean when it hit me in first year obviously coming from high school football tell you a football that was a big culture shock we had one of the longest training camps i think ever it was like three weeks and i mean i lost first right out of the gate i lost 25 pounds during that first training camp and i think 90 percent of it was just sweat but either <laughs> way putting yeah putting that back on was definitely a pain in the ass but uh for that for one just like the the bodily changes the uh the changes in schedule the changes in priorities you need to get that all in the line but uh, when it comes to changes uh, up in your noggin, like the stuff that really gets in your way, um, at least for me, the, yes, the intrusive thoughts were bad, but just your general mood as a university student compared to maybe like a, a, an older high school student is uh, just your fatigue. Like, and you can work through fatigue to an extent. And I mean, everybody gets tired. Everybody gets exhausted. I know a bunch of the guys in the OUA and the U sports and things like that. They've got lifts. They've got meetings they've got two-hour practice and then on top of that they're working towards a degree at you know canadian universities it's it's tough stuff and you'll be exhausted but it was almost like it was a whole different level like i would go to bed and and try and fall asleep and i wouldn't and as i was trying to fall asleep i would just wake up in the middle of the night and it was almost like i was in the same spot i was before i fell asleep and it felt like i wasn't getting any at all and then at that point you wake up and you got to do the same thing over again. And I mean, you're just trudging along. You, you barely, you can barely get out of bed. I mean, it's, it's tough. So the fatigue really hits you like a truck and that on top of the, the you know, intrusive thoughts. And that can be about anything. Um, when it comes to football, I mean, one of the biggest things for me, I, I was, I, I began long snapping <laughs> and you know, you get one bad long snap and everybody's yelling at you and, and, and that's fine. Cause I mean, it's part of the job and you got one job to do and that's get the ball back there. But that one bad snap, and it's stuck in your head and you obsess over that. And then it just kind of ruins the whole day. You got to take a breather. You got to take a walk around the field, you know, just make sure you're, you're on top of your head. But like dealing with that when you're just so exhausted and you're so mentally drained on top of being physically tired and all these different things is one of the biggest things that made me realize that maybe it's not just my body saying, hey, you're tired, but it's also my head. We well, you know, and I, I long snapped myself, mostly just in nice. high school. Once I got to university, yeah, good stuff. yeah I, you know, <laughs> I appreciate the skill, the art, yeah, and the pressure that comes along with it. Absolutely, uh, mm-hmm. I think most football fans can understand that. Um, oh yeah, you mentioned the the the, the stress, the academic mm-hmm. aspect, and it's it, it goes without saying that being at an institution like the University of Toronto. It is a bit more. It is definitely more rigorous than the expectations at a number of other schools. Do you find that? I mean, obviously, you only have your one experience being at U of T. But as you mentioned, you know, guys in the OUA, you've had conversations with other guys and on your team and in other schools. Is there any conversation around the team or in general about the fact that? You know, in in many ways, you and your teammates do deal with, uh, from what I understand, because I never attended the University of Toronto, so this is all just sort of from an outsider perspective, but that you do have a, a bit of a higher expectation you need to maintain on top of, like we said, all those other things student-athletes have to go through. Yeah, so when it comes to that stuff, I mean, when you're being recruited here, they're going to tell you academics are first, and that's the way it is throughout the entire your entire career. I mean, you could be in first year, you could be in your sixth year of your undergrad. It doesn't matter. You're trying to get that degree and everything else is just kind of on top of that. And I mean, the coaches know that and they're, I mean, we have this thing called ASAP and it's a, 
it's a, a study hall for students. You can go anytime you want. They got tutors for us. It's pretty sweet. You, I mean, it's mandatory for first years. Like they're really trying to look after you. But after that kind of first year, um, it's not like you're thrown out. Uh, like all the resources are still available, but they're a little bit less hard on you. And it just becomes more of a, a responsibility uh, for you to be on top of your schoolwork. And I mean, from what I can tell, I mean, I, I, I joke around with my friends. It's like, oh, I go to U of T, blah, blah. You know, it's, oh, what a better school than you guys. But I, <laughs> I can't really I can't really say anything about any of the other academic schools. I mean, all of them are fantastic. I mean, you look at some of the degrees coming from these other schools that's just specialized for whatever reason. But I mean, of course, there's some things that make you uh, make you go like, oh, what's uh, what's rec and leisure or like what uh, what's that kind of stuff? And we joke around with it. But obviously, I mean, everybody's got some stuff going on. Everybody's got a lot of work to be doing. And it, it, academics are just kind of like a big part of that for me. So, Jackson, you know, in your story, you talked about sort of being able to repurpose your own experience into becoming an advocate for others and mm-hmm. compiling those resources and being that 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 line of that communication for your brothers in the locker room to be able to seek help when you first put that out there i don't expect there was any pushback per se but what mm-hmm. was the general just reaction of guys when you were at first making yourself uh, available in that in that form mm-hmm. Yeah. So immediately, as soon as I sent it, I mean, it was nerve wracking because I mean, coming from someone who like people like some people knew like what I was going through, but most people didn't definitely was probably a shock to some of those guys. Um, Basically, I was just letting them know that I'm here for you. I was just it happened to be about, you know, three pages long Um, and overwhelmingly positive response from the guys. Like I immediately felt the support of everybody. And uh, I I was just I was very happy with the way that I was it was received. And uh, I just sent it in in a Facebook group chat. And of the like 100 guys, like I think more than like 80 of them gave me a little response to it, whether that's just giving it a heart or a thumbs up or shooting me a message or anything. And then as we went through in person uh, and I saw those guys the next day, the next couple of days, I had people coming up, you know, they're shaking my hands just saying, hey, good for you, man. Um, It's really important. And like guys are telling me, like starting to open up with their stories. And obviously there's those anonymous ones that I'm, I won't talk about, but you know, those guys that are comfortable reaching out to me and it's those like one or two guys, a couple of guys have done that. And I just, I, it really goes to show like how far this, this kind of stuff can go. Right. Like even, even at such a small level, like um, I might be an athlete on the team, but you know, being an athlete on the team, there's a hundred other athletes on the team. And if they aren't comfortable reaching out, then I mean, what have you got at that point? Right. Cause if they're going through something and they're too scared or too afraid to talk about it, and they're just going to suffer without their entire career and it's going to be detrimental to their success and the team's success. So I'm just, I'm just happy to be a part of that. Happy to be happy to be helping these guys out. When you, you mentioned a few times about that, that piece on anonymity and, and on uh, mm-hmm. one of the, at the time of recording uh, right now with the episode we just released in the talk was with the offensive assistant coach for Carlton, Nadia Ducure. And she talked about that same mm-hmm. piece in, in breaking down that a bit of that stigma that a lot of people face in in worrying that there's going to be some kind of a of a backlash in, in mm-hmm. speaking out. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know what that speaks to, if that's more of the, the football culture. Uh, I, I think a big yeah, a part of guy kind of culture. Yeah, exactly. And it's hard to separate the football culture from the fact that it is obviously traditionally a, a boys club of sport. And I think that, uh, you know, there, there's stereotypes of the way men, you know, oftentimes can't have those connections with one another. Yeah. But I think that is rooted in a good deal of truth. Um, but, you know, I guess really what I want to get to next is that, you know, we so often one of the most. I don't say this 
to to say it's not significant one of the kind of cliches in football is that that mm-hmm. family piece that idea that yeah. you know you're you're one your brotherhood your team whatever you you know the the coach is going to say and just sort of hearing you talk about the response to sending out that message i have to imagine that mm-hmm. that must have brought you t- with a lot of your teammates closer than you probably could have ever been that you know any success on the field or anything else that mm-hmm. in a more traditional setting in the football experience could have could have brought did you feel a greater connectedness as a result of that or am I just oh, sort of 100%. reaching on that yeah no 100% I mean this was a huge year for the blues I mean my entire career here it's been kind of I mean for lack of a better term you know a shit show I mean we've been building since the start and I mean we've done better every year I'm super proud of the guys especially this year huge run made it to the playoffs regardless of the COVID all that stuff that's going on and I'm just so happy with the way that we're performing and you know after those wins you know everybody's hugging each other I mean I had a good cry or two after a couple wins because it's been so long kind of thing but yeah like having uh having something like this is a lot deeper than just you know something on the stats like something on the stat sheet right like you're you're really putting yourself out there and putting yourself in a position of vulnerability where if you're doing something entirely as a team, everybody's got your back and you know that everybody has your back, but it was something like this because of that stigma, because of that, Oh, I'm a tough guy. I can, I can handle my feelings on my own. I don't need to talk to people about it. And that goes, that goes without saying, I mean, lots of guys are in that position, but when you threw it out there or when I threw it out there and I was vulnerable, I was hoping for a good response. And I just kind of set it in concrete that these boys are here and you know, we're a big family and I love all these guys with, I mean, every bit of my heart and I'll be, I'll be there for all of them. And uh, I, I think they feel the same way about me. You know what I mean? Like, even though, even though I may not talk to all these guys, like I said, there's a hundred guys, I'm not going to be best friends with all of them, but I know for a fact that if I go to one of them or if one of them comes to me, then they've got my back and I'll have that discussion. I'll have that conversation. I'll, I'll go out for that little coffee that you want so that we can talk about something that's going on in your life. And you know, I figured they'd do the same thing for me. And it, it's a fantastic feeling. So Jackson, we've been talking about, sort of talking around all these resources that you were able to access Mm -hmm. and that you were then able to advocate for your teammates to be able to access as well. Let's get into a little detail on some of those things that U of T provides because in a lot of Mm -hmm. these conversations I've had with different players and coaches, it does seem there are a lot of similarities, but there are some differences that schools do a little differently. And so I like kind of getting that all out there to be able to, for anyone listening, if there's coaches from other programs, because at the end of the day, you know, you know, there's obviously when we talk, if we're talking playbook stuff, obviously there's things that, you know, teams keep secretly. This isn't anything where it's like whatever UFT's secret yeah. sauces as far as this should be anything other than just publicly understood because there might be things your your school's doing that other schools might not have thought to do. And, you know, at the end of the day, this isn't this is not where the competition between yeah. uh, our teams should lie. So what kind of resources were you able to access and have your teammates been able to access barring in mind, you know, the piece on anonymity for uh, any of the mm-hmm. players that that uh, wished for that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the big form that, and I, once again, like I, I, I couldn't have thanked Aaron enough, our head trainer for this one, but she put this big one together for student resources uh, at the University of Toronto and then student resources in the city of Toronto and uh, GTA. So as as a, a student uh, at the University of Toronto, there's a big section. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, you can, you've got one where you can talk to someone immediately. And I mean, I've used this one frequently and you may have heard of it yourself, the Good to Talk student helpline. Um, I've used it once or twice before, and I mean, it's immediate help. And I mean, they're not really lying about that at all. It's really good. And then on top of that, they've got stuff like drug and alcohol helpline, Ontario problem, gambling helpline, mental health helpline, all this stuff that you can get right away 
I mean, as long as you've got a phone handy, you're good to go. Um, they've also got 24-7 emergency services, which you can access anytime, any day. And on top of that, if it's late night, you wake up, you know, you're feeling down. They've got after hours emergencies as well. Same kind of deal, but they're always open. They're always ready for you. And then uh, there's a bunch of stuff we got here for other university contacts as well. Um, and we can do that. And by other universities, sorry, the, the other colleges. So we've got UTM and we've got UTSC as well as University of Toronto St. George. Um, and they've got all the kind of access there. And then uh, for the more anonymous, we've got a, we have a, uh, what is it, a student support info. And, and this is the, usually the one that I'll send to the boys if they really want to remain anonymous and actually maybe speak to someone face to face instead of just over the phone. And here it's, it's got step by step what you need to do um, to reach out to somebody, uh, an embedded counselor with the varsity program, specifically for athletes, specifically for people in our situation. They're trained. They know what they're talking about. I can speak from experience. I've been with them for years and uh, they do a fantastic job there. And uh, it's just, it's one, two, three, four, five. There's a couple options for you there. And then you pick the, the ones that you need to do and they'll get you with someone as soon as they can. It's fantastic. I, I love hearing all about all those different resources, Jackson. And I, I have to mention because the talk season two, what we're doing right now is in partnership with Stellis Place, a nonprofit organization in Toronto that provides resources, mm-hmm. for mental health resources for young adults. 16 to 29. So if that's not on that oh, yeah. sheet, I, I advise getting up their yeah. website added into that, my friend. Um, and any chance we can get to, to support them is, is an Absolutely, opportunity yeah. I will take. Jackson, last thing I want to talk to you about, and I think it, it still relates to this conversation a little bit more, though, into the, the football side of things with U of T. You know, the 2021 OUA season was obviously different from any season that's ever been played. Oh my gosh, yeah. The, the mm-hmm. truncated year, the, the COVID concerns, the East-West divide between the league. And, yes. you know, through all that conversations of, well, and I, I, I don't think there's really any, I don't think it's wrong to say the West might have been a little more stacked than the East, but nonetheless. Yes. No, you're right. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. No, there's, you. there's no stigma around that. I'll, okay. I'll All sure. right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah. regardless, whether it was a product of the shortened season, whether it was the East West thing, whatever it might have been, or just things clicking for you and your team, mm-hmm. U of T, the University of Toronto Varsity Blues, were in their first playoff game since 1995, mm-hmm. which, yeah. uh, I'm gonna. I'm not great at math, but I'm gonna go ahead and say that before you were even born, if I'm correct, yeah, there, I was. I was born. Yeah. The, the, I was the right age of maybe two and a half years old. So I just have to kind of. The last thing I just want to ask was, you know, and and you, you clinched that spot ironically in that loss to Guelph. Not that that mm-hmm. really matters, you know. Playoffs yeah. are playoffs, but just however you want to talk about that, because we haven't had someone from U of T on the show since the end of the season. What was that experience like around the team? Uh, It was a tough fought fought battle you had with Ottawa in that game, getting to Mm -hmm. and getting to host that that game as well. Oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, What what was that like, Jackson? I'm dying to know. Yeah, well, as an athlete, I mean, as as someone who's been on this field for you know four long years almost, it was probably one of the best experiences that I've had as an athlete. Um, It was it was really it wasn't as overwhelming as I thought it would be. I mean, you know, you think about it, yeah. the season isn't isn't the important part, right? Playoffs are the important part. The season is getting ready for playoffs, and playoffs is the real season. It's the real competition. And, I mean, once we got to that point, obviously there was some stuff that wasn't clicking. There was a couple things that were going left and right. Um, I mean, we definitely could have done better in a few parts. Um, some stuff was clicking, some wasn't, and that's fine. I mean, it's, it's part of the game. Uh, they just happened to come out on top, and they came up, they came with, like, a whole lot of force. I'm sure they were playing with that 13th man out there. 
Um, and of course, I mean, you gotta, you gotta keep that in mind as well. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a fantastic feeling. And even though we ended, we ended with that loss, I mean, when we were all sat around, you know, the goalpost and our coach was talking to us, he was still proud as hell. And like, he was talking to us and he was like, this is, this is a good start for this team. Like it's been a good start every year for this team, just going from zero to one to zero, uh, or sorry, zero and one, uh, to what was it? I think we had two and six in 2018 and then, uh, 2019. And then this year we ended, uh, we ended up in that playoff spot. And I mean, you know, job's not done. I, there's that one mean, you know, job's not finished. Just got to keep going. Right. And I mean, that's what we're trying to build up for next year. So we got guys in the gym. Now we got guys on the field. Now we're working our ass off and hopefully come next year when we get that competition again, we'll, we'll be ready for it. And I'm super excited to see where it takes us. Well, and, 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 you know, from our little talk beforehand, I'm, I'm in London right now and I ended yes, up going sir. to West, the Western Waterloo quarterfinal game, but I was as a, as a Toronto boy born and raised, I was, and I know I did my undergrad at Guelph, but nonetheless, I was very tempted at making the drive in to seeing that first UFT game. Of course, as I said, I, I didn't make it in, but just, um, that, that, you know, that was, that was a, that was an important moment that, um, mm-hmm. speaking at least for myself and I'm, I'm sure others as well outside of your program, that, that was, that resonated, that was impactful. Yeah. And that was, that was awesome to see. And, um, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, it set the stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you've been on this positive trajectory and, and no doubt, mm-hmm. uh, no doubt you're going in the right direction. So Jackson, uh, thank you so much for, for joining me for, for being, uh, the advocate for yourself and your teammates that you are, and, and will no doubt continue to be. And uh, I wish you all the best in this offseason and moving into the 2022 OUA season. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. Appreciate all the work you're doing with this, too. It's really important to see this stuff being published out here. I appreciate, really appreciate that, Jack. Take care, man. Cheers.